is NAGP Resurrection, the podcast where we talk about this week in gaming news. I am your host, Joseph Brichettes, and with me, as always, I have Lionel. I am your co-host. Okay, (laughs) and we have Mike. His name is Jumper Cables. Yes, now my name is... Is Mr. Mr. Piccolo. Mr. Piccolo. Because he's a gigolo. Alrighty. So, last week we talked all about... that. we talked. We talked about E3. And we're going to kind of get back on our normal schedule this time. So we're going to start the show by talking about what we've been playing. Final. What you been playing, boy? Um, not a lot. But um, at one point, I did start up and get a little ways into Mass Effect. Hmm. Uh, I tried playing it before, but couldn't get past the fact that Steam wouldn't let me use a controller. I got over it enough to play Hmm. to the point where I have the full team assembled. Hmm. I haven't gotten to it yet. It's not bad. I kind of... Like, playing through it now, I really wish I'd had a way of playing it when it first came out. With all the excitement and none of the spoilers and, you know, when it looked good. Oh. Yeah. Well, how can there be spoilers since you make the story? Oh, that's true. This is your story, Jumper Kings. Oh, dear. (laughs) Not really. The character I made is kind of nothing like me. (laughs) What does he look like? Uh, it's a woman, for mm. starters. <laughs> what does she look like? And I was gonna try and like, okay, I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna play this game evil as fuck, but it just didn't feel right. Mm. Like it rarely does. Normally, the only motivation I have to play the evil route is if I've already played the good route, and I'm curious as to what it kind of looks like, how it changes things. Mm-hmm. Mm. But my natural inclination is to just try and be the nicest person in existence <laughs> who occasionally goes psycho. No matter how much you try, you can never be evil. No, I can. It's just like, how should I put this? When they like put those situations in there that are meant to test the nice people, I like fail that part really hard. <laughs> like, the right thing to do is to not murder them, even though they're evil as fuck and gonna do bad shit. And I'm like, fuck that. Let's kill the goddamn shit out of him. Let's kill him and then, like, do things to his corpse. Fuck him. <laughs> now, well, now I remember that the female voice tracks apparently were better than the male. Mm-hmm. Oh. Still hold true. She still sound really good. Oh, I don't, I didn't play a lot of the dude, so I don't know for certain. The female voice track sounds fine, though. Yeah, it's uh, Jennifer Hale. Nice. Cool. Any more games? Um, not really. I started, um, well, I kept trying to play Way of the Samurai 4, also on Steam, but for some reason it's, like, bugging out. Nothing I've been able to do has fixed it so far, so I'm thinking I'm going to have to email somebody and yell at them. <laughs> <laughs> I I hope they respond. Or you should just email some random person. <laughs> <laughs> My game's not working. Fix it. 
Buy my game, broke boy. Things are now, damn it. Sir, I just reviewed the game. I have nothing to do. You fix it now, or these emails don't stop. Sir, this is a safe way. Please stop yelling. That would be bad. Oh, man. Um, Mike, how about you? What do you got for us? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Speaking of Way of the Samurai, a while back I was playing. I finally did a deep dive into Way of the Samurai 3. Um, But I'll save that for later. I've been playing a little bit of Skyrim with mods and stuff, but I will also save that for later. (laughs) And let's see, what else was I... uh, uh, oh, I've been playing Arma 3 with uh, some people online, and that's pretty fun. Uh, you keep it pretty. Uh, it's a it's a military sim, so it's pretty fun. I I don't know if I mentioned that I got a new computer on the show from a dear friend of mine, um, and it's a beast. Runs pretty much everything. Um, yeah, Arma 3 is real fun. Uh, Skyrim. I've been playing a little bit of Splinter Cell Blacklist. I, I beat the campaign. And speaking of choose your exactly the scenario Jumper Cables just described, where it's like, do you want to kill this guy or not? Uh, a lot of that in there. But uh, I'll probably be playing more of that with Jumper Cables in the future, so I'll save that. But the game I, I, I just tried out today, I tried... There's a demo for the Hitman game. You guys remember hearing about that? Yeah, it's free now, isn't it? Uh, no. <laughs> well, I thought they, they announced that they were making it f- making something free. No, there's a there's a, a demo where you can play like the first couple parts of it. Um, so it's it's exactly like a, a Hitman game should be uh, for the most part. Um, what's interesting about the demo is that you, uh, it, it's it takes place in like training, so you're you're infiltrating this place, but everybody's an actor and it's all on like cardboard sets. So you have like this fake boat on a big soundstage that you're infiltrating. Uh, it's kind of funny actually. Um, so I enjoy that element of it. Um, and they kind of spell out a little bit, a lot of the different options that you can do, but kind of still let you figure out how to execute them, which I don't know how I feel about that. I guess it's fine. I know the world moves too fast to sit around and figure out everything you can do in a Hitman game. Um, but, but I don't know. It's cool to still do those things, but also kind of takes a little of the magic of exploration out, sort of. Um but the, one of the things that bothered me a lot about it was that uh, I feel like I can't really run and gun in it. Like, it, I don't know, it, playing it feels weird with the mouse and keyboard. Um, but also the, the controller, like, aiming feels weird. It doesn't feel right, so whenever I get spotted, it's pretty hard to, like, get a beat on somebody. The auto-lock's not very useful. Um, and also the guards, like, the, the enemy AI are, like, incredibly good shots for some reason. Like, they, feels like they don't miss, so. And I feel like Hitman used to be a game where you could, it was more, 
uh, it catered to different play styles, and that was uh, always a viable option was to just go in guns blazing, and I feel like they, they're kind of punishing you for trying to do that here. But uh, it's fun. I'll probably... It is on sale right now, so um, we'll see if it goes on sale again tomorrow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to play more because it's fun, but I'm kind of mad about the, the shooting. Uh, the shooting doesn't feel solid. And I feel like if there are parts where you need to shoot later on, that might get annoying. So uh, I just looked it up, and apparently... I guess this is new too. Square Enix is selling off the Hitman for IO Interactive. They're, and since IO Inter- uh, Interactive bought the Hitman license, things are kind of uncertain for, I guess, their episodic stuff. But they're hit, I guess, specifically Hitman's, the ICA facility section of the first episode is available for free on Steam, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Yes, that's what I played. That's what you were playing. Okay, so that's um, what it was. Which is, it says, it says all the cutscenes and a bunch of story-driven missions and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, um, it's really just two missions, and it's two like training missions that seem kind of like they're prequels to the main game. Um, oh. They're fun. Um, it's it's cool because it's pretty replayable, just like all Hitman games are. <laughs> so I'm, I definitely want to get back to messing around with it. But, uh, yeah, I guess there are six episodes of it. Um, yeah. I kind of assumed that's how many there would always be, so I didn't know if there was more planned. Well, but <laughs> since they're being sold, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to IO Interactive now. Um, hopefully they won't go out of business or something. Yeah, but, that's, so are they selling off the just the developer, or are they still going to keep the IP or what? No, uh, IO Interactive purchased the, the IP. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so they own it. So but, they own uh, it. Yeah, they're just Square Enix is just selling off the company. So we will see more from Hitman and IO. Um, yeah, and they're not really... Square Enix didn't really state why they're getting rid of them. They just said... Uh, that's weird. But there was a comment from IO saying, like, we are proud to announce that we are now officially an independent studio. Okay, so maybe this is good news. Yeah, they didn't. So it looks like they didn't sell them off. They're, they're just independent now. So that's yeah, cool. Yeah, breaking away. That's good. Okay, that's very good news, actually. Yep. We'll see lots more of Hitman. Yeah. yeah. And to keep all the rights to the Hitman IP. Okay, this is very good news. <laughs> so that's interesting that you bring this up. Yeah, it looks like. And they have. So they'll have complete control over the direction for a studio and the Hitman IP. So. I wonder if they will be able to add more content to this game, or if since this was done under contract with Square, that they'll have to make a new game. Um, Mm -hmm. But the other question I would have is, I remember that there were people asking, I think people were pretty (laughs) okay with, uh, you know, the episodic releases, because the pricing was pretty, the pricing made sense for this, and it's a pretty replayable game, so episodic was cool. I mean, Hitman's always been mission-based, but there all there were some questions of people asking, you know, like how much of this was like a business uh, decision pushed on them by the publisher, which would be Square. Um, mm. And uh, who knows if that was the case or not? But uh, either way, it looks like they won't have to bow to the publishers. 
Yeah, I would absolutely think that the reason why they went episodic is because Square Enix wants that. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of their games they're releasing on mobile. I mean, the whole digital, you know, microtransaction type stuff and just <laughs> the idea of being able to milk more money out of people mm-hmm. and do it any way you can. Mm-hmm. It just makes perfect sense. So. Didn't they um, also make the decision to have uh, the new Final Fantasy VII be episodic? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah, it is also episodic. So, yeah, I don't see that model going away anytime. I, I bet you someone at IO Interactive was like, this is not the way we want to do things anymore. It's just probably, maybe not sucking the creativity out of them. But. Yeah. Well, it, it seemed like if any game was going to do it and have it not really affect it, it would be Hitman. Because mm. it's like each episode was just like a new sandbox to play around in. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's always good. As long as it didn't mess up the game. Uh, Q, man. But yeah, I definitely yeah. want to play more of this. Awesome. All right. Uh,. What has Joe been playing? Joe has been playing Ever Oasis. That's that new IP they Nintendo shunned last E3 and this E3. And it's actually quite a good game. It's like an MMO. It's kind of lots of quests, fetching stuff and all that kind of stuff. But it can get a little repetitive, but it's still very colorful and fun and cute little game. So I, I, it's coming out next week and I played the demo. I downloaded it on my 3DS and it's fun. I, I like the idea of being able to swap out the different characters when your party goes out to fight stuff and, and kill bosses and whatever. You can control each of the different characters and each character has their own abilities and ways to get through different obstacles. So you kind of have to build a little strategy. It kind of reminds me of, uh, what is it? Final Fantasy 12? Isn't that how the battle system works? It was kind of MMO-ish, where you had the characters, and you could kind of mm-hmm. switch between each one. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, so it wasn't bad. It's not, it was fun. And then I started playing Pokemon Sun again, uh, because they, they, you know, they announced the new Pokemon coming out, so I figured, why not dive back into that bad boy again? You mm-hmm. played it like three times, but... I don't know. Something about Pokemon games. They can be the same thing over and over again, and I'm still drawn to it. Well, it's, it's uh, for one, it's a dynamite formula. Yep. And, uh, two, uh, I guess it's kind of like video game comfort food. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. I will buy every single new like mainline Pokemon game that comes out, even though I know I'm going to beat it in a few hours, even though I know everything that's going to happen. A few hours? Yeah, I can get through pretty quick. It's Joe just, beat gold in Japanese. That's true, I did. It's I. This is something about those games that they don't even need to be fun anymore. I will just play them. I will buy them and mindlessly work my way through them, even if I know I'm not having fun. That is where it has... That's, that's where Joe, I'm Joe, that's called an addiction. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. It's uh, mm. It really is just comfort. I just like doing it. I, it gets to the point where when I'm playing Pokemon, I'll just be like doing something else 
like maybe on my phone or watching TV and on the laptop and on the and I'll have like my left hand just pushing the button and I'll keep playing it that way. That's I don't a know. sickness, Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joe, I'm I'm afraid you got a disease. No, it's it's a love. That's what it is. It's called love. That's what that is. Mm. Just love those games so much, but I'm sure a lot of people love crack, Joe. <laughs> I got a problem. I've learned to accept that. It's fun, though. I enjoy it. I like the games. Um, yeah, those are the only two I've been playing. What was the other one called? Ever Oasis. Hmm. What's that for? 3DS. Interesting. Coming out in a week. Um, should be fun. I don't think Nintendo's going to give it much publicity or attention or marketing or love or anything. How much do 3DSs cost? They should be by a used one. If you're willing to get like a used 2DS, I think they're like uh, 100. Nah, yeah. I, I, I want it to be in 3D. Yeah. So, uh, those are the two things I've been playing. Fun, fun, silly, willy. All right, let's. Next part of the show is where we dive into all the lovely stories for the week. Uh, and sk- we got some juicy news. You want to skip if you the. Will. Do you want to skip the Devolver Digital one since you guys didn't watch it? I watched it. I watched skipped it. it. Hmm. Did you get the general idea? <laughs> yeah. Bat shit and sanity. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go over it real quick. Uh, so Devolver Digital E3 2017 full press conference, which was only like 14 minutes. I completely... I'm playing it. should be doing that. I completely missed this last week. I when uh, did, a lot of people skipped it. Okay, what, when did it happen? What day did it happen? Was it? I can't remember what day it was exactly. I think it may have been. Uh, no, I can't remember at all. It was funny though. Uh, <laughs> there were a lot of crazy things going on in there, and Mike, I think you said earlier that kind of did a nice parody. <laughs> Of E3 and all its madness, and I think they did a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the screaming lady, and then all the blood, and <laughs> yes. like the throwing money at the, uh, the the device that they made that lets you literally throw money at the screen, <laughs> and then it mm-hmm. deposits to them. Um, I liked all the blood and the screaming. It's very subversive and very fresh, and hopefully. Uh, you know, I, my hope is that like maybe Sony next year will be like, you know, let's just bring Devolver Digital out and let them like do whatever they want for five minutes. Yeah, let's just wholesale embrace the crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, just don't take it so seriously. I mean, and they most certainly did not, and that's what made it great. Nope. And they <laughs> they kind of did what Mega Sixty Four usually will do at the at the Game Awards at GDC. They just make crazy skits and do just about the game industry. It's it's great. Yeah. I'm glad they did this. Well, they actually legit announced uh, a couple games. The second one looked... Um, I wasn't that interested. Just like a top-down pixelated shooter. Um, mm. But the other one was like a... I forget what it was called, but it was like a sort of cyberpunk top-down looking shooter thingy. Uh... Mm-hmm. Ruiner, it's called. It looks pretty. Um, I'm into it. 
Yeah. What's really cool about Devolver Digital, I believe, I believe they actually publish like movies and other stuff, documentaries related to uh, gaming culture and other things like that as well. Um, they're a lot of the stuff they do is pretty damn cool. Mm. Mm. Okay. Anyway, it's, it's worth checking out. They're just they're a great publisher, and I I, I wish more publishers were like them because they don't they. Mm-hmm. Do, do all this because you know, they love games a lot mm-hmm. and they love gaming culture a lot. So it's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right. What we got next on the list? Oh dear God, more Konami. Okay. This should be, all right. What are they doing? Isn't this, isn't this a sequel to another story we talked about? <laughs> Might as well be. All right. This is uh, reported by Ars Technica. <laughs> Konami reportedly blacklisting ex-employees across Japanese video game industry. Yeah. yeah. There was some talk about this in the previous story. Yeah, I mentioned that, but we didn't deep dive. We didn't deep dive into the health insurance thing either, which was... Oh, yeah. The the fact that I guess there's a a company that provides a lot of health insurance for a lot of businesses in Japan, and someone on their board also sits on Konami's board, and Kojima Productions has not been able to get health insurance through them. Um, But yeah, I guess uh, this story... um, (laughs) People that that worked at Konami are having... Konami's telling them that they can't put Konami on their resume. Jesus, Um, yeah. Yeah, nothing worse than a big ass gap. Yeah, if you leave the your resume. Well, there's easy ways to get around that. You can be like, I mean, I'm sure people know that if you have a thing that says like 10 years at well-established gaming company, I'm sure people will do the math and be like, oh, that must be Konami. It's like, oh yeah, you poor bastard. (laughs) But it it even gets like worse. What were they saying at the at the very end of the article? If any ex-Konami person is interviewed by the media, the company will send that person a letter through a legal representative. This is this is crazy. They're they're just trying to make sure. Man, why are they? Why are they're so, gonna die. They're just awful, and it's this thing. This it really sounds like there's some like megalomaniac like somewhere in the high high ups. Like yeah, it, it has to be. It must be like the president or something. Yeah, and it's like, gotta be. Kojima must have like fucked his wife in front of him while he was tied <laughs> up or something because it's, this is uh, insane. I, I imagine he just got over on him in some way that he wasn't supposed to. Due to like the, the Japanese put a lot into like uh, idea of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I well, whatever happened. They're really pissed off at, like, the world now, it seems. I don't know. It's crazy that they're just doing all of this. I mean, they're really holding a grudge. Just let it go, guys. Jesus Christ, let it go. I mean, okay, so besides video games, what else do they do? They do pachinko machines? They barely do video games now. Their their bread and butter is pachinko. Pachinko. Okay. So I guess the gaming part really doesn't matter that much to them anymore 
maybe that's it matters in the sense that they can like there's IPs that they can pimp out for more money or as the basis for their pachinko machines. Huh. Yeah, so they're just kind of looking licenses at this point. I just really found an article that the former president of Konami uh, is now the president of Kojima Productions. The article's uh, from December of last year, <laughs> but that was when we missed. So, who the fuck is... I'm calling the shots over there. Someone with a grudge. Takuya, and a raw ass hatred. Takuya Kozuki. I wonder what his deal is. Because it... I don't know. I just can't imagine that... This has to go to... Like the the top. Or Konami in general. If they're going to do shit like this. You know? Mm-hmm. It's pretty but dirty. But isn't... Isn't this hurting them in the long run? I mean, if you're <laughs> basically telling all these it's, people... It's hurting them now. I mean, it's going to hurt them soon. Uh, I don't think they really care at this point. I mean... I everything now that it's out in the open, but uh, up until that point... Yeah, everything must be being reported back to Dr. Claw or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's what it seems. <laughs> I'll get you next time, Kojima. <laughs> all right. That's... I can't wait to hear what happens next week with Konami. Maybe they're going to blow up. um, I don't know. We should read some of this into MGS5 storyline. Maybe uh, Kojima was actually crying out for help. Yeah, Yeah, maybe they'll uh, threaten a Special Olympics event with a bomb next month or something. (laughs) Just charge the kids for the medals they win. Oh, in slow increments of, you know, slow incremental payments. There you go. Um, okay, let's move on. Company no, they'll do, like, they'll do like China and send, like, relief in the form of plastic rice. Oh. Oh, that's not nice. Yeah, I think it was hate they sent that to. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you joking? Are you? No, I'm not. Oh, God. All right, well... This isn't a pleasant world we live in. No, it's thank not. You, thank you for reminding me, Lyle. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, let's see if we can get something on a bit more cheerful. Um, this next story is Harvest Moon's PC debut looks familiar. Polygon. So, it seems Natsumi is going to bring back the series. And, and they hate and the case. And they're bringing it to... Well, slow down. <laughs> All right, let's start. First and foremost, they're bringing it to PC for the first time ever. Um, I think they were asked about uh, Stardew Valley, and they were saying, uh, yeah, it's it's good that they did that. We're going to try and do our own thing. Um, trying to think of what else. I think the graphic style is going to be... They described it as a 2.5 type deal. Hmm. Since which stands out a bit since uh, the games they've been making prior to this had been in uh, 3D, the uh, 3DS games. Yeah, I like 2D, 2.5D way more. Yeah, um, something to note for those who aren't Harvest Moon buffs like me and Joe is uh, Natsume was only the only the was a distributor of Harvest Moon games. Correct. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, originally, um, yeah, they were working in the partnership with the actual creators, uh, Marvelous. And at some point, uh, the two split and, uh, Natsume bought the, uh, Harvest Moon license, or at least the name. Yeah. So they started releasing, they continue to release games out here under Harvest Moon and, the actual creators of Harvest Moon have been releasing games under the name uh, Story of Seasons. I think about like two of them so far. I can't remember. How yeah, much. this is this is after they uh, created a series of games called Rune Factory, which was like a JRPG with Harvest Moon elements. Yeah, those were okay. Now near the end of the story, we get to the part that Mike was talking about, <laughs> which is uh, people mentioning that. Um, this new Harvest Moon game still has the uh, genders kind of locked in regards to relationships. It stands out as odd since uh, Stardew Valley, which was like uh, basically a fan game that blew up, um, didn't didn't attach gender to the relationships, so you can pursue whoever you wanted as whoever you decided to be. I think it's interesting. That he said, you know, when the time is right. Um, I I think uh, I feel like Japan is just moving slightly slower um, in in terms of these issues than we are. So it's a, a lot of people, you know, shit on on Japanese companies when they do things like this or they say things like this. But they're still they're they're just not like the U.S. In regard to well, a lot of these dude. things, so it and like as as much as we think that like oh like obviously you want to do this so you can please your audiences, it's like well they're probably just a little bit trepidatious uh, because they of how the Japanese audience will actually react to it rather than us. They probably don't mm-hmm. worry about us too much. Yeah, it's it's just kind of the, the nature of the U.S. having, I guess, the greatest variance amongst its population. We're like a collection of people from all over. Mm-hmm. We're kind of forced to hit these issues before yeah. a lot of other countries. It's also why this country is such a goddamn mess. There's always something to fight over. Yeah. So Give and take. So it's... Uh, I don't know, not that it's, like, obviously it would be cool if that were an option and, like, they would start taking a stand against these this sort of thing in their own country, but you can't really blame them because at the end of the day, they're in it as a business to make money, and Japanese especially, or they all believe in, you know, saving face and not really mm-hmm. stirring the pot too much, so yeah. it's a larger cultural thing going on. It's not like... The yeah, there's an, um, the focus is about the whole. Yes. Whereas, it's not uh, like this we're, guy we're is kind a of, Yeah, we're kind of, our country's kind of the antithesis where it's more about the individual. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I see what you mean. Um, um, we'll see where that goes. Uh, hopefully. We'll do it. <laughs> I, think, I think the upside to it is it's it's a when they do decide to do it, it'll be a really easy fix. Because really, I think the only thing they do in uh, Stardew Valley is is everyone just addresses each other directly. There's no uh, like they 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 don't even pretend to fuck with the pronouns. 
Like, I don't think anything changes, but, like, your name popping up on screen. Mm. Well, if anything, Stardew Valley has really put pressure on this particular genre of game to make people really start thinking a bit more outside of the box. And what I do like about this article is that they're saying that they're trying to go back to their roots, meaning that they maybe are going to start borrowing more from Stardew excuse me, Stardew Valley, and just make it great again. <laughs> uh, careful with that phrase. I know. I can't, it just hit me. Uh, it really just hit me. But, yeah, I, I'm excited for it simply because I love, love the classic Harvest Moon games a lot, and I really do feel like the newer ones started to feel the same with very yeah. differences. And um, honestly, I like the 2D look way more than the 3D look. So it's, I'm happy me that too, they turn back to that. Um, I want to ask uh, Marvelous in particular, what about that River King? Oh, the fishing game. Yes, I would like to see that come back too. But that, even a long time ago, that game... <laughs> didn't have a long life to it. I think it was like, there's only, I think there was like two games on the game boy or something. That's it. But you know, fishing thing is always something. Yeah. Stardew Valley's got a pretty good fishing uh, mechanic in it. Okay. Let's move on to the next article here. Atari CEO confirms the company is working on a new gaming console. And this is reported by VentureBeat. So here, we did talk a little bit about this, I believe, last week, um, but this goes a tiny bit more in detail on what's happening with this, even though not a ton of information has been revealed. Um, so the current CEO of Atari, his name is Fred, I cannot pronounce that last part, his last name, Chesnias, Ches... Chesnias! <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, there you go. Take I'm gonna, it easy, easy. I'm going to call him Fred C. There we go. There so, we go. So, apparently when Atari filed for bankruptcy protection in 2013, he just straight out and bought the company. So, I don't really know the background of this guy, but he just seems to have a lot of love for the company. And he's saying that they've been become profitable. They've been licensing out a lot of their, IP, their classic IPs and stuff. So, I guess because of that, he now feels like now is the time to get back into the hardware business. So, yeah, and he's saying that even though they haven't talked about a lot about it, it's going to be based on PC technology, which all consoles are pretty much based on PC technology, so uh, it's still very vague. Um, but this kind of makes me think back to the story we were just talking about before. Well, we're going to actually we're going to get to about uh, Sega. And do you guys really feel like we need another console? I mean, many um, have tried. And I I personally, personally would love for some new blood to get into this. Um, the Ouya tried and just kind of faded into obscurity. Um, I'd like to see it. I just don't know how without, like, literally gambling everything you have um, on a bad bet. I am actually... Uh, um, open to that. I think um, I think there is room. It feels odd to say since it's just been 
the big three for a while, but you know, every once in a while, those big three kind of move around and someone leaves and someone else comes in. Uh, but we've just been stuck where we are for quite some time. Um, but like I said, I still have my idea that's just like the Switch, but with Steam on it. Ah, and I, uh, really nice. Um, or, or just a, a home console that's Steam integrated, you know? Yeah. I, I do like that they're... I mean, they're the ones that kind of help start the whole console thing to begin with. So it's kind of funny that they're jumping back into it. It yeah. seems kind of poetic that if <laughs> someone if someone were to come back into the the new console were to come into the, come into play, it would be like one of the granddaddies of uh, home gaming. Yeah, but Start it all. Who knows if this is going to be like something, or maybe they'll just try and be like you know what I said, or like an actual another. Full-fledged console with exclusives and fighting, or maybe something unique like the Switch, or mm-hmm. or it could just be a fucking legacy machine where it's just got all the games on it, and it's like, oh, it's made out of fucking gold, and it costs like three hundred dollars. It's limited edition. Yeah, those are super hit and miss. Uh, yeah. Nintendo's was a hit. Uh, Neo Geo's was a miss. Yeah, I guess. Uh, um. <laughs> the the hands kind of changed at Atari from what you were saying so um, I would say that it, it's probably just a stunt based on seeing the success of uh, what Nintendo did uh, but with the new guy in there who knows yeah I mean I'm almost certain we're going to hear more about it I mean he's saying later in the year they're going to start talking about it but I'm almost certain, like, at the next E3, we'll probably maybe get an announcement. I mean, could that mean that we'll start seeing Atari with its own conference? That would just be weird. Um, like, you know, they have their own big conference. They're announcing all these new games. Um, I guess if you think about it, like, what does... Atari must own some uh, some IP, right? Well, they own a lot of classic IPs. I'm just trying to remember. I mean... I mean, remember, they released a ton of... Because, uh, I mean, they helped build the first console, and they were releasing tons and tons of games. So they have a lot of IP. That's what they've been. That's how they've been surviving. They've been licensing them all out. So, um, I don't... I don't know what, they, what direction they're going to go. Yeah. I, I really don't. I mean, I'm looking at the list here. It's... Let's see, games developed... Oh, there's a lot of shit in there. Paperboy, yeah. Area 51. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Some of, a lot of this is licensed stuff. Pit Fighter. <laughs> um, I mean, that new Blade Runner 2049 movie, we talked about that. Yeah, there's a big logo in there. That's how they said they're licensing their shit out to a ton of... That's why you see it on products at, like, Safeway and shit. Like yeah. Because they just license their stuff out, but... Uh, who knows what they're actually going to do. Yeah, so I'm excited to see what will come out of this. Um, hopefully, it'll be good, um, uh, like some good original games. I really, really don't want to see another retro game box type thing. I just, I don't, we don't need more of that. Yeah. We really don't. Really. The problem is, is especially in the case of Atari, <laughs> Everyone and their mother is pumped out something like that. I mean, 
it's usually just like an Atari controller that you plug into the TV, but like try not going into a bed, bath and beyond and not seeing that thing near the checkout counter. Yeah. I have purchased those many times. They got me. Yeah. Not sure why I was in a bed, bath and beyond, but that, that well, I, I it's you know also Target, Walmart, all those places. It's just for some reason it stands out there more than anything. Yeah, so I mean they are doing well. So we'll we'll find out probably maybe at Gamescom. Who knows? All right, uh, let's move on to the next thing here. Oh, the future of Sega. So this was a video. Ah, balls. <laughs> this was a future. Oh, yes, words. This was a video on YouTube, and IGN was the one hosting it. Found kind of odd. Um, instead of Sega, it wasn't on Sega's official channel. Anyway, um, in this, I guess trailer or video of the future or whatever you want to call it, it's just them. I think it's the producer at Sega, one of the producers at Sega, talking about their future plans for 2018 and beyond. And it gets weird. It's, it's, uh, what's his name? Toshi, uh, Hiro Negoshi or something like that. The guy that did a Yakuza. That's him. Yeah, I think that's who it was. Uh, So, I got, um, extremely little from this. Almost just, just a little bit more than what Atari said, but. (laughs) (laughs) It was very cryptic. Um, uh, they were going on and on about about the eyes. People, yeah, the eyes. <laughs> yes, the eyes, Lionel. Going on about the eyes, how people interact, how people feel, how you know, important they are to humans in particular. That they're yeah. like the gateway to expression, and that our other sensors, sensors, senses are dulled by comparison. And at one point, he mentions actually conducting like research specifically monitoring the actions of the eyes while people play their games yeah so hearing all of that stuff made me actually kind of happy because that means that they're probably not going to go in the direction of uh, vr which i am so happy about i'm so tired of every company going in the direction of vr it's not going to go anywhere people <laughs> you don't think it's going to go anywhere i well, okay, let me rephrase that. It is going to go somewhere. Clearly, it's going somewhere right now. It's getting like billions of dollars pumped into it. But I just mean it's not going to be as big as people keep thinking it's going to be. It's not going to be the beginning and end of gaming. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to have its place. It's not of like it's going to yes. die. Uh, but it's just in the beginning, people really thought it was truly going to be the next stage of gaming, that all gaming is going to be yeah. VR. Well, this is this is the problem. Anytime somebody uh, like decides that some new piece of technology, specific in regards, specifically in regards to games, is the future, like when somebody thought CD-ROMs and live action was the future in gaming. <laughs> live action, uh, funny. Um, yeah, but it, it looked like the feeling I was getting from it, like the vibe I was getting from it, was it's going to be AR. They seem like they want to try and dive into AR stuff, just way more complicated and harder to do mm-hmm. well than VR. But if you can pull it off, you can do some really interesting stuff. But um, but yeah, it was still pretty cryptic in what exactly they want. Honestly, I would love an announcement saying we're making the next Dreamcasts. You know, we're coming. 
and we're going to compete with the Atari box. <laughs> yeah, no, we're making the Dreamcast, and the name is literal. You literally play it in your dreams. <laughs> we're utilizing, that's why we experimented on the eyes. We're utilizing rapid eye movement to actively control what you see in your sleep. That, that I'm sure would not be well, but I would love that. Can you imagine how amazing that would be, though? If it could be pulled off. I've had some pretty insane dreams. Imagine actually knowing when I go in, I'm gonna be, able, I'm gonna have the power to fly. <laughs> and then you wake up as you're falling down a building. So that's well, that's the thing. You wake up. <laughs> uh, but so that could be funny, like. If, like, game overs result in you waking up, you come into work the next day with the big-ass bags over your eyes. It's like, didn't sleep well, huh? You must really suck. Uh, but I think that would be so, so great if, um, like, in 2020 or something, at E3, it was Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, Atari, and Sega <laughs> doing Oh, it. God. That, that would be, be so good. That would be crazy, but um, but yeah. Uh, either way, with the future of Sega, with that video, even though it was super cryptic, I still like how Sega keeps trying to maybe not reinvent themselves, but trying new things and going in new directions. And so, I wish the best for them because I I do like Sega a lot, and they try so hard. So very hard. They have earned my near unconditional, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Support. Yes. Not love, just support. That. Well, they, they kind of did some other stuff to lose the love to some degree. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a werehog, Lionel. You just need to get used to it. No, you don't. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next article here. Uh, Project... Project Rap Rabbit. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Even that name. A rhyme game by the creators of Paul Rapper and the Paul Rapper and the Rapper and Paul Rapper the Rapper. Yeah, that's what I said. Didn't I say that? Par-rap. You said Paul Rapper. Did I say that? That's <laughs> all right. Those bad with names. It's fine. And Guitaru uh, Man. That's who he is. Guitaru. Um, it has and n- it's, not been right? funded. And it never will. <laughs> well, who knows? He said he had some interesting conversations at E3, so yeah. um, I, I don't know why he asked for uh, like 900,000 pounds. Uh, well, how much is that in dollars? Let's see. A lot. Uh, I think he probably asked for that amount of money. I mean, I, like, I don't know the exact amount it is, but... Because he probably saw the success of all these other classic games, like yeah. uh, was it Shenmue? Well, he well, asked. They were also they were also going for a uh, console release right out the gate, right? Versus he, as a stretch goal, he wanted mm-hmm. a, um, over a million dollars. Is what this is. Uh, um, so yeah, uh, that was a that was a standard goal or a stretch goal. I think uh, I'm looking for. Sorry. Pretty sure that was standard goal. Mm. I don't think yeah. the no, yeah, it wasn't a stretch goal. It was that they were going to release on the PS4 and Steam 
and PC. Yeah. <laughs> so at eleven, at one point one million pounds, it was going to be six levels, and at one point five, they were going to put it on the Switch. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I I don't know why he 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 went for console release, and I I don't I guess self publishing. Mm. I guess that's probably where a lot of that came in was like you know getting all the boxes, manufacturing the discs, printing them. Probably not handled the right way. Uh, but uh, who knows? Maybe maybe somebody's gonna fund it because because that seems like a lot of money to just develop this game. Well, I, I well see. I think where the the real why it becomes so expensive outside all the stuff you said was they would have to hire the voice actors, writers for the music, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Everything. So, so um, now I was also reading a lot of the comments, just trying to get an idea of what people were thinking about it, and a lot of people were were liking it, and they were kind of sad they didn't go through. But also there was just as many people saying that they feel like the prototype video they released actually hurt them more than helped them. Yeah, because, it did. Yeah, because it just wasn't very good and, and people don't understand yeah. <laughs> well they probably look at it and think oh that's neat how much are they at Jesus Christ yeah I mean <laughs> the, the rapping and the voice acting it, it, it really seems like the uh, console release as well as the physical release should have been stretch goals versus everything out the gate yeah and they really should have yeah, he sh- I mean, if the way to do it is to just get like a small team and sort of build something that's, you know, like a, a real prototype because that it seemed like that was just a mock-up video what they showed. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I feel like this will probably happen somehow. Oh yeah, maybe like a digital release. I think Sony will probably step in. That's, uh, yeah. that's my guess. A good game. It's got some history. Got some love followers. So. I want it. I want it now. Did you play a lot of? I mean, did you play all the games? Or uh, I think I borrowed Parappa from a cousin who had it, and I played like I think it was one of those things where I played uh, two in a store. I don't know how much of two I played, but I think I played a little bit of it. Hmm. Well. I I've also played all of Guitar uh, Guitaru Man. <laughs> yeah, it almost likely happened. I think we all did. Mm, I don't think I did. I'm, I'm not super keen on music games. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't like them. So, uh, all right, let's move on to the next story, y'all. We go. Good old Nick. Netflix. Netflix introduces interactive television series. Um, this, this is for the babies, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Game Informer reported this, and pretty much, you just it's like a choose-your-own-adventure thing. You use the remote, and I guess they're going to be releasing a short series of cartoons, or like maybe movies or whatever, where you can kind of choose what happens in hmm. the show, which is pretty yeah. cool. I mean... It's pretty interesting. Uh, I think this will be, be fun to play with uh, my niece. It's gonna end up with a lot of parents screaming, "Why are you still watching that?" <laughs> oh, it's, 
going to make. But yeah, Lionel, this is absolutely something you could play with your niece. I think she'd probably have a lot of fun with this. Mm-hmm. Especially because, you know, Netflix has so many like original cartoon shows and stuff. And I mean, if this is something they're all doing in-house, they can just really create a really nice experience Mm-hmm. For everyone who joins in, then uh, I know I would have loved this if it's, if my Saturday morning cartoons were like this. Yeah, choose what Spider Man. <laughs> yeah. Choose what Spider Man does. Go after the Hobgoblin or go after <laughs> Kingpin. It's like threaten Green Goblin's life or shout Mary Jane at the top <laughs> of the list. Yeah. Yes, all of that is perfect. I I would love that. Um, yeah, that sounds really fun, actually. Should Ash catch Pikachu, or should he abandon him? I love this. It's like, capture the Pokemon, or point the Pokedex at it like an idiot, because you've already scanned this goddamn Pokemon. <laughs> you just keep pointing in the Pokedex until your dad smacks on the back of your head for being a dumb... Okay, what we got next year? Some Devil May Cry news. Yay. Um, Rather non-news. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, isn't this just a tweet that people are losing their minds over? Tweets are powerful. They do. All I was really just saying is that... I I I love for the real Devil May Cry to come back, but... Well, well, okay, well, what do you... Which thing... Which game do you feel like he's working on? Because he was... He didn't say anything. He just said that we are working on something. It's coming. But mm. do you think it's going to be Never Devil May Cry? Because um, I don't know what the licensing is with that thing right now. Because um, the um, was it the uh, Ninja Theory game uh, didn't. It's uh, I, hold on. Well, I'm sure they were working for Capcom, right? Uh, yeah, I think they just. Capcom just said Ninja Theory make yeah. the next Devil May Cry. I don't think it's a problem. So, I think they still own uh, license. So if this guy is still, so if this guy is still at Capcom, then it's possible. Mm. Yeah, I, I'd like for it to come back though. I'd be fine with another IP as well. I just, you know, more character action the better. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm not like the biggest fan of the series or like character action games, but I always like it when creators get to do something new. Yeah, maybe he is going to announce something completely new, original, all that good stuff. I actually did enjoy the Ami. Hope I'm saying this right. Ami Musha games. I like them. I played the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were kind of neat. They were kind of like uh, Resident Evil with samurais, and it kind of like built up. I enjoyed those a lot. Uh, Power Stone. I love Power Stone. <laughs> nice to see that come back. Rival Schools. Never got into that game. Rival Schools is so good. Yeah, Project yeah. Justice is even better. So fun. Oh, God. Project Justice is so good. So that could be seeing sequels to those games. I, I'd like that a yeah. lot. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a very strong contingent of... Um, just, I guess, Capcom fans in general who are crying out for both uh, new Darkstalkers and a new uh, Schools. When was the last time we even got a Rival Schools character in, like, a Versus game or something? Um, I want to say there was something after um, 
Capcom versus SNK two. I just can't remember. Mm. Um, shoot. I think they were they were teasing a rival school's character in SF five for a little while, but uh, I guess that didn't turn out to be the case. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a minute. Mm. And I can't even remember when a new Dark Stalkers game came out. Yeah, there's a whole documentary on how... <laughs> it's oh, been that God, long. It's but so docu- sad. <laughs> <laughs> there's now a documentary. It's been that long. Uh, one day. One day it'll be back. It'd yeah. be neat to see it come back as a character action game. Ooh, I like that. Um, it's like the like moves and the designs and the movesets of the characters were really expressive. It would be easy to transfer... Their abilities to action you know, style stuff, and you throw them in there as playable characters, as bosses, as maybe some of them even as just like regular enemies. Yeah, could be fun as shit. There's a lot of potential here. I can't wait to see what he announces. All right, let's uh, move on to the next article by Euro Gamer. Leaked images reveal Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Remastered. Standalone. Yeah. I like this. I loved Call of Duty Modern Warfare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there's reason to be upset. Um, first of all, Jim, Jim Sterling has some really good videos on this. Uh, but, so, originally, this was attached to Infinite Warfare and you had to buy the special edition, and that was the only way you could get, you could get this game. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember a friend of mine whining like a little baby about that. Yeah, well, they also added microtransactions into the game, which it didn't what? have before. Ew. And, it, it, you know, it's not like a, a game of the year edition. It's a remastered version. So, what they did is they sold the, the map pack for it at a later date for more than what it cost when it originally came out. Oh, God. Uh, so, yeah. That's what they're saying here is that it doesn't include that. Um, and it's well, that... Man. <laughs> $40, but if you want the map pack, it's another 15 I mean, I looked at the video when I'm doing the graphics comparison. I mean, it's a nice upgrade. Yeah, it is. Very nice. Um, but, but it's it's just Activision is fucking around. With, you know, they they're just greedy. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to. Th- it would have been such a nice bone to throw players, you know, mm-hmm. for supporting their massive cash cow and being like, you know what? Like, we're gonna throw this game in for free when you buy the regular version of Infinite Warfare. But no, it's like special edition and, and like to charge for the map packs and to add microtransaction it's it's just grimy. Jeez. They know people love it so they just abuse it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Well that just I was all excited. Now it's just it's tore me down. Oh well Still nice happening. Just nothing around it's nice. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Also, it's it like it, it does look better side by side, but I feel like if you want that fix, you can still just play the original. Like it's it's not like the original looks that bad. I mean, not at all. I, I don't know. I just feel like 
it's not like playing the Twin Snakes after playing MGS One. You know, it's certainly more detailed, but um, I feel like just the original is so good that it just holds up pretty well. It is a good, and just the gameplay too. It's still so lovely. I mean, it's just, it's just fun. Uh, that's, you, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, just that said, I would like to try it out um, at someday. I, I would say when it goes on sale, but it, again, Activision with their greediness, they really, really don't drop these prices as low as they should be. Uh, like ever when they go on sale, uh, they they don't really drop them. Low enough for me to to jump back in, especially for you know this is a game that I really have already played, probably many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, still a shame though. Uh, but speaking of old games, our next article is kind of talking about that. But basically, he he was saying that it, it's not as relevant now. You know, they have VR to talk about, um, and they have the indie content, but. I guess his main point was that, you know, when the indies get shown off at E3, it's just in a montage, and people, it just goes by so fast, it's not even noticed. So they kind of cut it, but people know that all the indies are there, so. There are so many other conferences that are devoted entirely to indies, like PAX and so on, and even at GDC, and I'm not saying not to have it at E3. Obviously, you want to show off the amazing games being created by indie developers, but I mean, I kind of get what he's, um, kind of get what he's saying here. I mean, there's plenty of other places where, um, indie games can be, are like just shown off and just celebrated. While for me, E3 is more about just the mainstream games. Uh, not really so much about the indie games. I'm not saying they should not be there. I'm just saying when I think E3, I think you know the big publishers, and when I think GDC or IndieCade or PAX, I think indie games. So that's so. Yeah, I'm kind I got of, an idea. Yeah, indie conference. But they have, they have a, that's what IndieCade is. That's essentially oh. what IndieCade is, and that's what essentially what PAX is. And they have like a PAX East. They have a PAX. Uh, like North, they have so many different PAX conferences, and it's literally all about indie games. And IndieCade is a conference all about indie games. <laughs> and mm-hmm. when you go to GDC, there are entire days and sections of the conference devoted just to indie games the entire day. It's called the Indie Mega Booth, and they just, I mean, they celebrate the hell out of them. And so I am. Kind of with Jim Ryan on this one. Showing a quick view of them is fine, but really don't think they need to be at E3. So, anyway. Yeah. Um, in the second article, they're kind of people were asking about... Uh, I guess it's the question's in the air because X- Xbox just came out and announced they're going to put some original Xbox games on. And... Um, People are just asking about backwards compatible compatibility, and he said uh, we've dabbled with backwards compatibility. And so two things: one, he's like, "Oh, I was looking at all these Gran Turismo games on PS One and Two and Three, and they look ancient. Why would anybody play this?" Which is stupid. Uh, he's sort of out of touch in that regard. But the thing that it boils down to that he says is, "We've dabbled with it, and I can say it's one of those features that's much requested but not actually used much." 
I'm with him on that one. I, I just don't think there's enough people who play all those really old games that for them to even consider it. I mean, it's, I mean, like all the people got really, really excited when they announced that they're going to be supporting you know, backwards compatibility with the original Xbox games. But I mean, come on, outside of that crowd of extremely hardcore Xbox people, who, who has the, the you know? well, there's, there's going to be a need for it pretty soon or rather, there's going to be a mark. There's going to be a bigger market for it because uh, collecting old games is get, becoming increasingly expensive. Okay, but um, that's, that's like a niche thing. Not that's that's everyone, also not everyone does that. That's also collecting. That's well, different than playing. True, but there's another thing where um, there's a market for simpler games in the uh, sort of like the that cell phone kind of direction. To the degree that there was like a pretty successful release of Sonic on the cell phone. That's how uh, Christian Whitehead got uh, space on the uh, as like the I guess the primary creator of Sonic Mania. Um, there's definitely money in this outside of uh, you know old people like us. Does it need to be on the E3 stage? I don't know, but I do definitely think there's reason to do it. Huh? To the degree that um. I think I don't know if I've, I can I can confirm this for certain. I heard that um, Nintendo's bringing back the a form of the Virtual Console on the Switch, and they're doing it as a subscription service rather than individual purchases. Yeah, we talked about that. And if they're doing that, that's a huge selling point for me personally. I just I mean, they, on the PlayStation right now in the store, you they have the sections for like the PlayStation's classics. And all that stuff. And they really put up there, and they don't put all of them up there, but they put a lot of the really, you know, popular games from the PlayStation era on there. I just kind of feel like that's enough. Who, how many people are actually still gonna, outside of us, the people, you know, we're kind of old, I'm thinking like the newer generation, who are gonna even have those old games? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Well, the thing is, it's basically, it comes down to whether you want the money or not, because that stuff is becoming increasingly easier to pirate. I guess, I, I, I just... So, I guess it kind of doesn't matter if they want to go that route of, like, whatever, we do current stuff only, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't know, it just doesn't... If it's going to make the console more expensive, then I say, like, oh, don't do it, it's, it's just not worth it but if it's not going to affect the price at all i mean it's not really losing anything so but yeah, i i say to the audience don't trip if they don't put it in there just just pirate that shit off the internet <laughs> uh but um I, either way though it the amount of people who lose their mind over this i mean it may look like a large amount but it's really not <laughs> it was uh, uh, let's call it a very vocal minority. Yeah, that's pretty much. All right, let's move on to the next one here. We got Game Spots. GTA 5 players are angry about Mod Tools shut down, and they're taking it out on Steam reviews. The internet is angry. Mm-hmm. I, I did watch that Sterling video, too. So there's, Yeah. He's a. Uh, he makes a lot of good points. Um, I, I don't know who. Who knows? <laughs> what 
Why? I, I, I don't know why they would... It just seems like an ignorant move on the part of the publisher. Uh, it's hard to understand this one, because mods add longevity to single-player campaigns, and that's all that this tool affected. They they said that it was because, oh, we're cracking down on like cheating software for multiplayer, but that's not what it... It didn't affect multiplayer, and I... And there's probably real cheating software out there that they didn't do anything to stop. Um, so it's, I don't know. I just, I, I just really hate when mod support is taken away. It really affected, like, I, I really wish Max Payne 3 had mods, and and it didn't. And that was, it came out of Remedy's development hands and went into Rockstar's development hands, and they made a really good game. But I don't know what happened with. Because Rockstar published the first two, but uh, I don't know. I just hate when this happens. Um, and I think Jim made it also a point about like the commo- like uh, Bethesda's kind of doing the opposite, where they're like trying to commodify and like sell mods, which is also kind of silly and stupid. <laughs> I, I just I don't know. Um, it seems like the gaming industry really has a problem with free content and. That pisses me off. How much like money is just everything's about money in this industry. Well, everything's about money in the main industry. I mean, we have all the indies. They're they're doing, you know, they <laughs> they embrace the modding stuff because it's going to help keep their game alive. And I mean, all the stuff that the mainstream seem to not, you know, they want to try and monetize like crazy. The indies seem to embrace because they know it's going to keep people coming back to their game. Mm-hmm. And buying the game more, so uh, yeah, it's a, it's really annoying, really really annoying, and it sucks so hard because you're right. This is gonna keep people coming back to your game and maybe spending more on stuff. So why would you stop that? Why would you not want money? <laughs> That's weird. Oh well, and some of these mods too. I was watching some of the videos. They're pretty awesome. They're pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, like some of the stuff that they have done, it's just like wow, and they're shutting all that down. That's that's crazy. Oh uh, well, and you can't fight them unless you have like an army of lawyers, which makes it more annoying. Yeah, real quick, I just stumbled onto another article that I'm curious what you guys. Uh, I think it's kind of uh, uh, inane, but. Uh, apparently in the new Call of Duty World War II game, there's they take out the Nazi iconography in multiplayer, and they you can customize the look of your character. So if you want to be a black guy uh, and, and fight as a Nazi, uh, they let you do that. I, I, and people are like, oh, blah, blah. I guess their logic is uh, multiple, like, it, all that stuff is historically accurate in the campaign. But in the multiplayer, they want it to be about the player. Uh, I yeah, I mean, uh, I think you're causing more problems by like, I don't know. I think it should have just been left alone as this is historical accuracy. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like the multiplayer experience, so it's kind of, I mean. I don't think people really teabagged dead bodies in the field and stuff. Yeah. 
knows? Uh, I mean, one, okay, I'm not trying to like defend them for this because I still feel it's very wrong with the modding stuff, you know, them, you know, taking it away. But what they said about they're trying to make sure the multiplayer experience is a good experience, particular modding tool, they're saying it is affecting the multiplayer, but the modding tool, I guess it's a company, uh, they're saying that it's not affecting it. Uh, it's, but they don't know that for sure because they didn't build the game. They're only modifying the game. So, I mean, it's still wrong, but I just feel like, I mean, you don't, you didn't build the game, so you don't know what you're actually messing with. I know you're modding it deeply, but you didn't build the game. So, to some extent, maybe deep down the code somewhere you want and you shouldn't be messing with. And it, it is ruining the experience, but who knows? I, I just, that kind of bothered me a little bit because anyway, either way, this sucks and I shouldn't be taking it away. Uh, so you're think, fine with black Nazis then, Joe? Actually, I am. Okay. Like, be careful what you say here, Joe. I, I want to, no, that can't even work out. You know what? Mods are cool. I'm just going to leave it at that. It's, I think you got confused about what I was saying. No, I wasn't even thinking about what you were saying. I was just saying what I was thinking. That's all. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I tried to bring up another story, but oh. jumped back into the... All right, no, I didn't get that part. Then. You lost me on that one. No, Call of Duty World War II, for the multiplayer, they took out the swastikas and let you play... Um, so even if you're having to play the Nazi side, you can still make the character whatever race you want. All right, I think that was it for the story. Um, the topic of the night, and it's Spider-Man time. Mm-hmm. Lionel. Um, so, before we get into the bits that we're probably actually going to say a lot about, did you guys play any Spider-Man games uh, prior to the 32-bit era? Um, yeah. Uh well, I played a shit ton of Maximum Carnage. Um, uh, the game was hard. I loved yeah. it. Um, I guess we're doing this in honor of Spider-Man PS4. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I played one on the Genesis. There's a couple of them. There was, like, Spider-Man and X-Men versus Arcade, and then there's a couple other random ones. Uh, but the big one yeah. for me on Genesis was Maximum Carnage. Yeah, it was... Um Maximum Carnage, and then Separation Anxiety. Yeah. I actually dived back into Maximum Carnage somewhat recently. Um, Mm -hmm. Still hard. Still pretty fucking fun. And I still want a remake of it, but like HD. And Mm -hmm. like, just make it, just make it like the Marvel vs. Capcom 2 engine. Spider-Man from that, and make Maximum Carnage around that, and I would be extremely happy i'd say look into beats of rage mods beats of rage is a uh beat-em-up engine kind of like mugen is for fighting games mm-hmm. where uh they can take they'll usually take fighting game sprites and make games out of them something like this may already exist albeit not in a f- official capacity which which one was the spider-man game i'm trying to remember what it was, it was i think it was on sega and I remember having to tape cameras everywhere. Like, 
um, cause you could take pictures of everything and you have to tape the camera all over the level or something. Anybody didn't remember where that came from or remember doing that? No. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think there may have, may have been. Is it 2D? So now I got yeah, it was 2D. Now I got to look that up. Maybe maybe it was one of the Spider-Man games on the Genesis. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna look at it because now I'm curious. But um, to, just to kind of ask you guys about the Spider-Man games, like what? Even in the very beginning, was it the web slinging that made those games fun? Uh, it. It took it. a long time before the web slinging got good. Uh, um, a lot of it was just, you know, getting to play your favorite character. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think web slinging was kind of a big deal in games that did get it right. Like, it always felt cool to do it in Maximum Carnage. And some of the, the other games, like, I remember there were other games where, where you could do it. And it was 2D, and it was, it was kind of cool. Um, but it was very like rigid, but you were excited to yeah. do it because you were a Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Crawling uh, walls. Because I know, yeah, the crawling on the walls was always very fun. So I'm not, I know now, like the swinging just seems to be like a a really all the ones super fun. So I'm kind of like wondering. Well, they they mastered it in the Spider-Man Two movie game. Yeah. Getting a little ahead of ourselves, but that yeah. was kind of where it became, like... Manual, basically. Well, it, it's it's kind of where, like, a standard was set for all mm-hmm. Spider-Man games to follow. <laughs> Which is funny, because some that have come out since then, um, like, don't have that. Which is mm-hmm. mind-boggling. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, we did get ahead a bit. Um I think the only 16-bit Spider-Man, I think I played a little bit of one of the Genesis games, maybe the one Joe was talking about, but uh, outside of little bits of Maximum Carnage, I think the one I got the most of wasn't even a Spider-Man exclusive. It was that uh, Spider-Man in the X-Men versus Arcade. Uh, that was pretty... It was It was okay. <laughs> The thing I'll never forget is uh, if you play a Cyclops in that game, he has the most god awfully animated kick animation. <laughs> he kind of leans back and sticks his foot out, and he makes a fart noise when he does it. Mm. <laughs> um, I actually want to give a shout out to a PC game that I played a shit ton of at my cousin's house. I don't know where they got it, and I. Maybe I could find it online somewhere, but it was a Spider-Man cartoon maker, mm-hmm. and it, it basically gave you, like, you could pick the background, and you could, like, take a character, and it had, like, a, a looping animation, and you could, you could like, hit record and kind of drag that character around to, mm-hmm. to loop, and you could also, like, record your voice over it. Uh, mm-hmm. And you could place like word balloons, so you could make your own little Spider-Man stories with like the entire cast. That's um, tight. Yeah, it was really cool. So like he, he there are different Spider-Man for like web swinging and like walking around and. <laughs> uh, but the the funny thing is they all had like noises and like mm-hmm. that they would make on repeat or like music cues. So, yeah. so like Mary Jane would have like a, a floofy one and. 
Yeah, I I know that exact piece of music <laughs> probably attached to her. Yeah, and uh, and the Kingpin had a fat guy mm-hmm. uh, sound cue, which is weird. Um, and it, it was based on the animated series. It didn't use like sounds from it, but all of the animations were were from it. It was, uh, <laughs> but it was a shit ton of fun. You could, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure if you can look them up on like on YouTube. It's the Spider-Man cartoon creator. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing in regards to the 2D world of Spider-Man I played anywhere near as much of was actually a uh, arcade beat-em-up. And for the time it came out, it was really, it was pretty neat. It looked decent. But uh, more than that, there was a lot of like uh, really neat sound cues to it. There were little bits of uh, voiceover. Music was pretty good. And similar to, you know, what preceded it, primarily Maximum Carnage, they would uh, use, like, sound effects and uh, voice and thought bubbles would, like, pop up during the game. What what was this one? It was was just called Spider-Man. It was an arcade game. I couldn't get a hard date on it. It was uh, released sometime in the 90s. I think around the same time Captain America and the Avengers was out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I guess, are we done with the 32-bit era? Did you play anything else there? Uh, I just... <laughs> searching like crazy. That was just a really weird pause. What'd you say, yeah. Joe? Sorry about that. I hit the mute button. Um, I think I found the game as you guys were talking about. I had the camera thing in it. It was Spider-Man uh, versus the Kingpin on this oh, yeah. Mega Drive. There was a he had a whole bunch of different web abilities, like a web shield and web just throwing giant web balls. And I think he like he would spin one web and take a picture of something. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's, that's where it came. Yeah, it, it had a separate bar dedicated to, like, web stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, and his, the swinging in it wasn't bad. I was watching a YouTube video of it. It was, it was I mean, it's, it's not bad. I remember that game being pretty hard to navigate, though. Yes, yeah, but, um, anyway, yeah. Hmm. That was a game. So what came next after 32-bit? Um, well, we're at 32-bit. Sorry, I mean, <laughs> one of the biggest yeah. shows up. Um, well, I, I don't know. I think my, my next gaming experience like that I can remember is probably this Marvel vs. Capcom 1. Because I didn't really play Marvel superheroes, but I know he was in mm-hmm. that and just kind of brought over. But I, I played the shit out of it. Yeah, I remember being really stoked for Marvel vs. Capcom on PS1. I remember buying it from... Or my uncle bought it for me from Target. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and he just like moved and controlled exactly how you would want him to, as far mm-hmm. as like 2D Spider-Man. Um, well, yeah, he set up kind of like a, a Shoto clone, but there are very unique takes on his move set. I mean, he's got a Shoryuken. His Hadouken is uh like some impact webbing that like traps you for like a hot second, and he has a web swing rather than the tornado kick. But, like, the way he moves is so, like, like somebody poured over those panels 
to kind of like get like a very distinct sort of move set. Like I think one of his kicks, he does kind of like a backflip. Uh, elbows, he kind of spins around. He moves. He has a very spider-like move set. It's um, yeah. Like I kind of like what you were saying before about a uh, like a redone Maximum Carnage. I'd like to see that with those animations. Yeah. Both for him and the ones they did for Venom. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the the big one was. I mean, as far as like uh, games that felt really authentically Spider-Man to me, like just fucking nailed it and got everything that I would want pulled from the comics, like. Maximum Carnage and then Spider-Man on PS1, um, mm-hmm. and also the sequel, Enter or Electro or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, uh, those are like fucking. They're just. It's so much fan service. It's so good. They're so fun. They're, yeah. Emphasis on the fun in that one. I mean, speaking of like just pure fun, I I had a Game Boy Advance and they did release a few of them, and I remember playing. The Spider-Man game, it was based off the movie. It came out in 2002, I'm looking here. And uh, it was very cartoony. Like, every time he would hit someone, there'd be, like, a big kabam thing and, you know, all kind of stuff. And he he moved very quickly. Like, he was always running and dashing everywhere. And so it was a, it was a beat-em-up, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, so that I remember that pretty, enjoying that a lot. I would play that all the time on my Game Boy Advance. Hmm. And, Oddly enough, I didn't know the developers of that, Treyarch and Backbone Entertainment, that weird, and Grey Matter Interactive, I don't know who they were, but and the publishers was Activision and Capcom. Yeah, so Activision had a interesting, uh, it was swirling around there, Neversoft, who did Tony Hawk, did Spider-Man mm-hmm. 1, and then mm-hmm. uh, Treyarch did... The second Spider-Man game on PS1, um, while NeverSoft was doing who knows what. So Treyarch was Tony Hawk insert you know title here. Yeah, Treyarch kind of handled like all the like ports for for stuff and like side shit like probably that that Game Boy Advance game you were talking about. And mm. so this, it's interesting that they kind of proved themselves in these weird areas before. I guess they're still kind of in that weird area where they're just handling Call of Duty like every three years on a rotation. Yeah. At least I think they still are. But but yeah, Spider-Man PS1, like the voiceover, Stanley narrating, all the unlockable mm-hmm. shit, just the story where... Yeah, the sheer number of costumes. Mm-hmm. All the characters that show up. That's and that, that was I talked about this last time when we were talking about Spider-Man PS4, but that's I really hope that the world feels alive with just Marvel shit everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it will. It's just it looks so good. So the GameCube. Why can I have the GameCube? Did they release any on the Dreamcast? Um, I think just the port of the uh, the. Never saw Spider-Man, and then maybe the sequel. Yeah, I don't think the sequel made it. I'm not sure, but I know I remember seeing screenshots of it on Dreamcast, and I was mm-hmm. like, because he just had like fists, like that were he could only <laughs> have fists in gameplay. And I remember being stoked that they got him to have like the flip hands in the mm-hmm. Dreamcast version, and it just looked prettier. 
Yeah. Got a really good review. I mean, it got really very high. It was just called Spider-Man. Yeah, it was really fun. The dial, the well, dialogue, but specifically the comedic elements were seriously on point. Yeah, it was. God, I really hope. And the music too. Tommy Tallarico did the music, and he just mm-hmm. brought back I, that old theme song, kind of funked it up, and like added it rock. And I don't know. It was just a really that's that game's special. Mm-hmm. It has a soul. Yeah. So, out of all, like, the looks of Spider-Man, has his look kind of just, I mean, like, <clears throat> have they given him a cel-shaded look or anything? Have they really changed him drastically, you guys think? or um, Most of the changes are occurring in the comic book. Um, I can't really think of any game up until now that did anything distinctive with him visually. Um, um, there was that ultimate game where they tried to make it look and feel more like a comic book yeah it, that was really cool because it, it kind of it looked like mark bailey mark bagley's artwork so if they didn't mm-hmm. sell shade that um and that was that was really fun i felt like the web swing was a little bit dumbed down uh, some of the gameplay was but like the storytelling yeah. storytelling was pretty on point like it, it felt like it, like Spider-Man 2 brought the web swinging and, like, some of the cool mechanics, and then Ultimate Spider-Man kind of... But Spider-Man 2 was pretty dry because it was tied to, like, the Sam Raimi universe, which is cool on screen, but not that colorful a world to, like, be in. Yeah. Kind of brought that back for Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, it it was where they cracked the web slinging, and it was so good that, uh, honest to God, me and Mike would turn that game on just to swing through the city. <laughs> wow, yeah. was that satisfying? Oh, it was amazing. Mm. So wait, in the you know the trailers that we saw at E3, uh, like how are you guys feeling about that stuff? And I mean the swinging and just the, the very cinematic <laughs> look they seem to be going for. Well, I'm I'm hoping that it's it's just like a updated version of the original swinging mechanic. Because in which case, then, that chase will look a bit different depending upon who's playing it. Yeah, I saw and, I saw an interview where somebody was saying that that was the case. Because they did a behind-the-closed-doors demo, and they were saying that he was crossing his fingers every time some the guy ran it. Because, you know, just to not fail. Because mm-hmm. I guess you can lose the chopper, and apparently there's different ways to catch up to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's neat. Okay, so it's very open. Yeah. That's that's always fun. Yeah, but uh, we kind of skipped a weird one there. It was Jump Kills. Did you play Spider-Man on like, the first movie adaptation? Mm, I feel like I may have played a demo of it a long time ago, but I didn't remember it too well. It was kind of this weird middle ground in between the PS1 games and Spider-Man 2, where it it Mm kind of graphically was the same, but they basically built off the PS1, like it was a high-res like, city, you couldn't you couldn't go down to the bottom and Mm -hmm. and the webs didn't attach to the buildings, it was still like a just nebulously in the air. (laughs) Yeah, you're basically just flying with with a swinging animation attached to it. Yeah. 
Connecting to the sky. But it, again, it was kind of like the Spider-Man PS1 game, but then they removed like the fun coat of paint and added like the movie coat of paint <laughs> mm-hmm. with uh, like Tobey Maguire and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Did you play the third movie adaptation? I wanted to since I heard uh, they apparently, in the case of the game, you could actually sort of like go off the beaten path and there were like a handful of uh, separate scenarios depending upon choices you made. Yeah. Did they actually do that? I can't remember. I feel like they, they may have. I know there was like a... The black suit was kind of like a mechanic. Where yeah, because I mean one of the points that interested me was like the potential to not even not even get the black suit like you can continue on as regular spider-man yeah i mean i think story-wise you get it but you can you have the choice to not use it i think it might wear <laughs> you down like but uh yeah it, i took a lot of flack and i think it was because it was just too similar to the one before it and it didn't really innovate but mm-hmm. one of the things people said was, you know, the web swinging is still fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's also suffers from being a first-gen PS3 game, so still kind of looking like ass. Um, also, James Franco's voice acting in that game is awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounded like he's falling asleep. <laughs> but... For me, that's like where I kind of left off. I haven't really touched a Spider-Man game since then. Yeah, me too, unfortunately. There were a couple that came after the fact that looked pretty interesting. Um, I think the first that came up with... Um, I don't know what the gameplay was like. It was called uh, Spider-Man Friend or Foe. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, there was some sort of like mechanic where you could... Uh, work alongside any number of villains. I, I don't know how that worked exactly, but it seemed to be very much be playing into the uh, very personal dynamic Spider-Man has with uh, his villains, mm-hmm. specifically the uh, higher-tiered one, ones that. Um, I think uh, the other ones that seemed interesting to me was... Um, I think it was called Shattered Dimensions. Yeah. And that's the one where you played as different takes on Spider-Man across the various universes. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, level-focused and didn't have the open-world web swing. Mm. Yeah, it just looked kind of neat being able to play as, uh, like, Noir Spider-Man or 2099 or... Yeah. Um... Yeah, and then there's the Amazing Spider-Man game adaptations, which I didn't play either. Web of Shadows, Edge of Time. Um, I was all kind of... I kind of want to try them out, like, I don't know, someday, because I really like Spider-Man, and maybe there's yeah. some... Like, if there's web swinging in any of those, that feels good. Like, that'd be cool to play to pass the time until the new Spider-Man game comes out. But, uh... Yeah, that's about all that I have played. 
Yeah, me too, unfortunately. <laughs> so, in the earlier games, like we were talking about at the beginning of the topic, the really old ones, they all seem to be just straight-up beat-em-up games. At least that's the number. Um, as things went, as time went on, it seems like they went more into, I guess... Was it quest based? I'm not really. Well, one of the things they uh, stepped into, like basically, I want to say at two, there was an incentive to really try and um, simulate what Spider Man, what being Spider Man would actually be like, and they introduced. So, what were you saying? I was just saying maybe it's better called a simulator than Spider-Man simulator. Kinda. Well, what they introduced two elements. Uh, one was the web slinging, which we talked about, and the other was um, having the games take place in an open world. Mm. That's where they kind of really got it. Yeah, so you'd be, you know, there'd be like a guy about to fall off a roof that you gotta save, or like a a mugging or like a kid who lost his balloon that you would have to return to. Oh god, the fucking balloon. <laughs> uh-huh. No matter where you went in like if you if you missed that balloon, no matter where you went in the city, you would always hear that kid crying. <laughs> My balloon. <laughs> oh god. Um yeah, so the way they basically worked it is, is it would be Spider-Man's uh, Spider-Sense kind of honing in on something, and you get a little icon indicating where you gotta go. Mm. And, uh, yeah, you know, they would just kind of, like, increase it as it went on. You would have, like, abilities you can unlock, which increase the uh, level of mobility you had while web-slinging. You could, like, slingshot yourself between buildings and, uh, hop off of, like, a roof as you're swinging, or even run up a wall, and, yeah. So, it definitely seems like that whole open-world feel was a better mm-hmm. take it then. I guess that's why all the games since then have kind of done it. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably keep doing it. Which need Nito Fajito. <laughs> Got anything more to say about Spider-Man? I don't think so. Um, this new game just looks so goddamn good. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know who that new villain guy is. Uh, he's a, he is a relatively new villain. He showed up in the comics, uh, like, late 2000s. Oh. Uh, I think he's called Negative Man. Uh. Mr. Negative. Mr. Negative, <laughs> that's it, yeah. That's a name. He's very mean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what this deal is. Um, yeah. It. I mean, not even just the web-slinging and the crazy action stuff, even the uh, stealth elements and hanging up the guys as you go through them. And, yeah. It, it just looks really good. I just found a download link for a demo of the PS1 Spider-Man game on PC. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Alright, cool. Nice dose of Spider-Man for ya. Especially since Homecoming is coming out in like 
next week, I think. Uh, no, two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks, yeah, two weeks. Oh, so close. So many trailers. Good lord. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next part and, well, the final part of the show. Wait, no, it's not. Wait, is it? Yes, uh, it's final thoughts. Yes. Isn't it time for final thoughts? You got the yeah. word final right in there, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm frustrated. It's been a while. It's It's been a while. All right. Wow, you got some final thoughts for us, huh? Yeah, to all the retro gamers out there, fuck the industry. Oh, that's a bit harsh. Why to the retro gamers? No, no, this isn't. It isn't directed at them. I'm uniting us. I know. In, why? Why the retro gamers? Um. Well, well, what about that conversation we had about you guys saying? You know, don't bother with this retro stuff. Focus on new shit. Did somebody say oh. that? Oh, I said that, but I was only saying <laughs> <laughs> what I meant for like, like I don't want Atari to like be up, uh, you know, on a big <laughs> in front of everyone at the next E3 and saying we are now announcing our next console and our launch title is Pong. I don't want that. I really don't. Yeah, I think I thought it was in relation to the um, the Sony thing where they were like, "Yeah, we don't need to focus on this ret- this um, indie stuff." Oh, I'm still for that too. <laughs> I deny nothing, and that's because, like I said, E3 I feel is more for uh, just the main big companies, triple yeah, A, yeah, big time industry. Yeah, and I'm not saying don't it. don't ever show the little guys at all, but don't expect them to be just, you know, a highlight. Uh, that's why we have, like, a kajillion other conferences just devoted. Okay, okay. <laughs> this, this final thought is getting too complicated. Let me come up with another one. Go for it. Um, I got nothing. Perfect final thought. Expresses you in a nutshell. Thanks, uh, Joe. <laughs> I that does wonders for my self-esteem. I love you, Lionel. It's fine. Don't worry. I'm like you anyway. All right. Yeah, well, I'm a butt face. I will deny nothing. My face Look is head. Yeah, my face is out of a butt. Um, Mike, what you got, man? What you got? Uh, big butts. Got a big butt? All right. And he cannot lie. Snort. Yeah. That sounds. That's the future of journalism, right there. All right. Um, Oh, I got what? What Joe got? What did he? What did he learn this week? What have I learned this week? What have you learned, Joe? I have learned that E three. Even though when I first see them and I've become very jaded and I want more and more and more of that, even though it wasn't the greatest E3, it still excited me. It still made me feel, still made my, my giblets excited, made me happy inside. I guess that's my real final thought then. Yeah. I'm skipping it next year. Uh, oh. Oh. You're not oh. allowed. <laughs> I just I, I just seem to care less and less each year. <laughs> but, 
I did. And I, I cared less this year than I did the year before. I just, I just like that Mike has, has now said you don't have a choice. <laughs> You're going to watch it. I mean, you kind of, well, unless then, you want to sit and listen to me and Joe talk about it on well, the E3 I mean, episode. I mean, just look forward to me being the negative Nancy of the three of us, which I guess um, isn't anything all that different. <laughs> dynamic. We will, will force you to watch the entire guys will be like, oh, look at this new game, look at this new console, and I'll just fart. <laughs> Don't worry, I promise you will love the EA conference next year. It will be your most favorite one. Trust oh, me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It is it is kind of hard to still get incredibly excited because we've been doing this so damn long. But I don't know. It's still, it's still nice. It's still nice to see all the games. It's still nice to see where the industry is going, what all the companies are doing. It still excites Joe. I think it will continue to do that as it continues to make Lionel more and more jaded and more angry at the world. I look forward to that. I'm already angry at the world. That's why I said more <laughs> angry at the world. If that's even possible. Uh, it's possible. And that's mm. why it scares me. Anyway, alright. That's it, boys and girls. But before we go, we got one more thing left. Whoa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this just did. Yes. Yes, I got one more thing. And that is to follow us on Twitter at NAGP. <laughs> 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 yep. I I pretend to be Joe and tweet from there. Yes. <laughs> you Yes. And then if you want to know lore, no no more about anime, you can follow Lionel. Oh dear. Yes. Um if you want to talk about uh Chinese cartoons animated by Koreans for the Japanese. Uh, <laughs> it's not the first time I've made that joke. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at OldTakuConnect and listen to my show. Uh, Hello, I am Jumper Cables. Please listen to my show. Do not compare me to him. <laughs> <laughs> I am nothing like that man. I'm not going to use that side of my powers. <laughs> So, so what's com- what's coming out? What's coming out? I want to say at the time this comes out, um, Airmaster. Air? Yeah, that sounds right. Mm. Airmaster, starring my waifu, which you cannot have because she is mine. <sighs> yes, she. she I'll is. say it again. I will double dragon fight you to the death. She is all woman. That is for sure. Perfect for Lionel. Yeah. Uh, and right, how about where? Where? How can they? Where, your show? Hyper Nineties on Twitter. Yeah. Follow Halison Radio on Twitter if you just yeah. want show updates. And also, I'm trying to get it off the ground. It's not totally there yet, but the Halison Radio Instagram is a thing. He's on fire with all damn social medias. Keeping us connected with all the youngins. Oh yeah, like yeah. us on Facebook. Yeah, we're also on Facebook. Follow us on Add Jumper Cables as a friend on Facebook. <laughs> uh, no, that's a that's a personal account. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get more of those millennials. That's what we need. 
Yeah. We millennials? Quiet, you. Yes, we are. <laughs> Around the edge. Around the yeah, edge. we're kind of old. Yes. All right. We've be done. There's no more to talk about with damn games. Hasta luego. Goodbye. And squeeze that ego lego. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What he said. Squeeze it till the ginger comes out all cinnamony. That doesn't sound healthy. <laughs> it's not.